the man who turned his back on Hulkamania, turned his back on Hulk Hogan. He is Sid Justice. I guess, you know, everybody wants to know kind of what's happening here. You know, I guess it all started back in Royal Rumble when you took advantage of the Hulkster's back when he was about to dump Ric Flair out and you dumped him out over the top rope instead of facing him man to man. And I guess we all knew what happened when you let everybody know that you wanted the title shot. And then, what about those comments? What about those surly comments about the Hulkster and how when they announced that the Hulkster was gonna get the title shot and you weren't? And then, Sid Justice, what about the apology you made to Hulk Hogan and how you said that you were gonna show him what a true friend is all about? And you left them in the ring of Saturday night's main event. I guess you did show them just what a friend isn't all about. But then, you know that the friendship that's hey, most... shut your stinking mouth, because it's simple. I don't care about you or that fat pig Hulk Hogan and your friendship. And I don't care if he has one stinking friend out here either. But I want to do you a favor. I'm going to rearrange your face. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of, and I'm not sure which uh, podcast that this will be on. It could be on the Hitman Chronicles. It could be on 
the legends of sports and music. Right now, I'm leaning towards the legend of, of, of sports and music. We will see. I have some more editing to do. But I am joined by my 18-month partner on the Hitman Chronicles, uh, my brother from Toronto, Sebastian. Sebastian, today we are going to talk about the legendary Sid Udy, a.k.a. Sid Vicious, a.k.a. Sid Justice, a.k.a. Psycho Sid. I opened the program, ladies and gentlemen, with not only his great theme song, Seb calls it the the bootleg psycho theme song that he had at the end of his WWF run, but also the barbershop, and we uh, in which he destroyed the barbershop and had Brutus Beefcake running like a little bitch. We're going to talk first about that angle with with uh, Sid and Hogan and and Sid's. Botched heel turn because it should have been the other way around. But before we get into that, Seb, talk about the first time you saw Sid and what you thought of Sid Vicious when you first saw him. I'm not sure if you saw him in WCW or WWF. Give us a brief um, overview of first hearing about Sid, first seeing about Sid, and your reaction when you first saw Sid. So the first time that I ever saw him because... I was huge into WCW for good, good, like good. A, a period when Sid was there. And this is uh, right before I got really into Sting and Vader and uh, Cactus Jack. Sid was there as a skyscrapers with mm-hmm. Danny Spivey. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I saw him. And I loved Teddy Long back in the day, too, um, when he was doing just whoever he was with, with uh, Doom or with the skyscrapers. So. Oh, I Ted, remember Ted, you know what? Teddy's an underrated manager. I mean, he was great first with the sky, skyscrapers, and he was even better with Butch Reed and Ron Simmons. Go ahead, Big Mac. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was always a fan of, of Teddy Long, and he just him going out there with um, with the two of them was such a good visual because they were towering over him. And I never really followed Danny Spivey prior to that, but seeing Sid, he was just... He had this look that he was, um, and to use like a McMahonism, sculpted out of clay, and just massive beast. And so you looked at the guy, and you're like, he's someone different. So ever since then, um, when he was there, that's when I first paid attention to him. And then he had the big WWF run right after that. You know, it's funny. Uh, Sid looked like a bigger version of Lex Luger. He looked like a superhero, a real-life superhero. Uh, So when you first see him, you're like, God damn, look at this guy. And the first time I ever had heard of Sid uh, Vicious was in the Aftermags when he was underneath the hood in 1988 in Continental as Lord Humongous, which was a character from the Mad Max movies. And I was like, who the fuck is this dude with this? And you know how they used to kayfabe and say uh, Hulk Hogan was six foot eight? Hulk Hogan wasn't no fucking six foot eight. (laughs) But Sid Vicious was, all right? He was a towering, massive, I mean, and he he was perfectly built from, from top to bottom. He had thick calves. He had big, big thighs. And he had muscular chest and a big ass neck and muscular arms. Hogan was muscular from the stomach up, 
but he used to hide his skinny ass legs. Same thing with Goldberg. I always said that the two best physiques I ever saw in wrestling were Luger and Sid because they, and uh, pardon the pun, were the total package as far as the physique goes. They looked like real superheroes. And what captivated me, uh, Seb, about Sid was, and I'm pissed off at the so-called smart marks back then and the so-called wrestling experts that had the newsletters out there that used to criticize Sid on A, his working ability, and B, his promos. He was tremendous on the mic. He was a, he worked like a big man. He was no different than The Undertaker. I mean, they didn't criticize The Undertaker, but they criticized. And he was a better promo than The Undertaker because The Undertaker really, Mark Callis really couldn't talk. Mark Calloway couldn't talk, but he had that menacing look, and he could fight like a big man. But Sid, with his promos, and uh, because Sid vicious rules the world. You didn't see him stumble, and he kept it short, and he scared the shit out of you, right? You were like, God damn, this guy is amazing. We started the program off, ladies and gentlemen, with the Sid Vicious theme song, and with Sid on the very last barbershop, which set up the main event for WrestleMania 8 versus Hulk Hogan. The WWF said, signed... Sid in the summer of 1991, they um they were at a in a bidding war with Sid. You had just mentioned Sid was at WCW at the time, and both WCW and WWF were going to give him record money. He went with the WWF because McMahon promised him not only to main event at WrestleMania, but a huge babyface run. They dropped the ball. Hulk Hogan had to leave because of the steroid uh, controversy after WrestleMania 8. So they had this buildup, and they had the Royal Rumble, January of, of uh, 1992, the, the greatest Royal Rumble, in my opinion, the Royal Rumble in which Flair won. And where Sid said, and you, you tell me, where's the logic on this? Hogan has Flair, is kicking Flair near the rope, and Sid comes from behind and tosses him over the top rope. Uh, they, how do you book this as him being a heel turning on Hogan when he did what he was supposed to do? Hogan did the same thing to Randy Savage when they were both baby faces. Where the was the logic? Seth, explain that to me, man. All right. So, just because you mentioned the after Meg, as quickly, I was trying to find an after Meg that I had as a kid where Sid was talking about a bidding war for his services, and I can't find it anywhere, so I'm going to have to look it up online but and see if I can get it. Did they did the kayfabe, but that was, it actually was a bidding war. Yeah, and I didn't even know until like five years ago that every interview on the After Megs was like kayfabe. I thought it was real my whole life until like five years ago, so he might not have even talked to Sid at the time, but when I, I was a kid, it from when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I swore to God that these interviews were real, because I remember one time Ricky, uh, after ni- after 1983, the WWF didn't allow P- uh, after mag uh, photographers uh, at the access to the arenas to shoot pictures or access to their wrestlers. But in 1986, I believe it was, they published an interview with Ricky Steamboat, 
And I'm like, wait a minute, this is, this is, this is a, voot. This is a a no no for the um, for the after Max. I and I didn't think, I I I don't know if they made that interview up. I don't know, uh, because they could have gotten they could have gotten Steamboat in trouble. You matter of fact, you know what? Maybe they made it up and and uh, but maybe they did talk to Steamboat. Then they had the and then Steamboat could have the excuse. Oh, I never talked to Bill. Rumble, <laughs> so 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 that's an example of of what was going on with the Aptomags and the World Wrestling Federation when it came to them being barred. Now, yes, there was a bidding war between Sid and uh, uh, uh for Sid between Turner and McMahon. McMahon because he promised Sid a huge face run and a uh. A, a, a main event at WrestleMania that he went ahead and signed with McMahon because if that was the case, it would be more lucrative than anything WCW was going to offer him, even though WCW did offer him guaranteed money. McMahon back then didn't offer guaranteed money. It was based on your spot, the gate, and pay-per-view re- revenues. Well, the Rumble, they botched this. He did exactly what you're supposed to do. He dumped Hogan, and then Hogan, the whole angle was botched. Hogan grabbed him, and then Flair tosses Sid over the top rope, and Sid wins the... Seth, you remember? They saw what was happening. They saw this was Hogan, and... Um, I have a playlist on Vicious, and I know you've watched a lot of the video. And in the ongoing, in the build-up to WrestleMania, the promo Sid uh, uh, delivered, he was justified in what he was saying. <laughs> Hogan screwed him. Hey, when you first saw this, said, were you confused? Yeah. And your thoughts of why the WWF booked it the way they booked it. I think the answer to why they booked it is always Hogan getting in someone's ear. But as a kid at this time, this was, you know, after Hogan had already beaten uh, Warrior. Well, he beat Sergeant Slaughter, who beat Warrior. And I was done with Hogan at this point. I was very tired of seeing the guy. And I needed someone else to cheer on. So seeing Hogan act like a heel, I actually thought he might have been turning at the time. And I'm only... Uh, this happens right at, it might have been on my 11th birthday uh, when the Royal Rumble happened. And so I'm watching and I know Flair and I'm hoping that, you know, something exciting is going to happen. And so when I see Hogan get tossed out and not win the belt, it's a good feeling because I'm like, all right, this guy's maybe going heel now. He's clearly cheated. He grabs Sid for no reason. Sid's justified. And this could be a Toronto thing. So it could be something that, you know, maybe I'm I'm seeing differently, but Jack Tenney used to always be the man, and it was always cool because you know he's the guy that's the president, and he's out of the Toronto office, and mm-hmm. you know he's always making the right decisions. And as soon as Jack Tunney awarded the match to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. kids everywhere heartbroken. It's like what the Hogan didn't deserve that match. Like based on no criteria, it should have gone to him instead of Sid. So when Sid did the look and he's about to get up and, you know, be uh, number one contender. And then 
Hogan's name gets called, you felt for Sid, and I don't still to this day see how you don't see Sid as a baby face. I, I, I agree with you, and the look on Sid's face was justified. He's like, what? What? Because he deserved to get the shot because he was the next to last one eliminated. And he was cheated out of that spot, too. Yeah. He he cleanly eliminated Hogan. There was nothing. He cleanly eliminated Hogan, and he was the one who was cheated on for Flair to win because it's Flair from behind, and Hogan, well, Flair didn't cheat. Hogan was being a bitch. Let's be be real. However However they booked this, and you're right, Hogan booked his own shit. And I don't know what Hogan was thinking about uh, doing this. This this made him look bad. And I'm surprised that Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon didn't go ahead and try some type, type of double cross. They knew Hogan was going to be gone for a while, all right? And they could have made Sid into a big baby face. And then they could have told Hogan, look, uh, you fucked up with that Arsenio Hall interview? Uh, take your juice balls and, and, and skedaddle. Skedaddle. And... They didn't have to do any steroid tests after that because they got rid of the guy that they could have really buried Hogan, man. They could have they could have put out press releases. Oh yeah, he lied to us all these years <laughs> about saying his vitamins. We found out, yes, that him and Zahorian were were going around cohorting with the steroids. Uh, so we're getting rid of, of Hogan, and then they pushed Sid as the new babyface. But no, what they did was. At, at that WrestleMania match, which was a horrible match. That match was a horrible match because Hogan wasn't going to do anything to make Sid look strong. He he did to Sid in that match what he did to Sting at that huge uh, Starcade 97 pay-per-view that did the record number for WCW. He sabotaged their, 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 their push. He sabotaged their popularity. And then to have Ultimate Warrior come in and start up a feud with Sid, and that didn't work, uh, Seb, because Ultimate Warrior wasn't as big as he was before. He was wearing that bodysuit, remember? And Sid just... Sid looked like a grown-ass superhero while Ultimate Warrior looked like Superman after he had uh, suffered from kryptonite. He he was saggy with the bodysuit, and um, I don't know. I know Sid has said, Seb, that the reason he left the WWF was because he was pissed off that they had him feuding with the Ultimate Warrior after promising him a big face run. Um, other people have said he refused to take a steroid test, and so he took his he took his uh, softball bat and went home and started playing <laughs> softball again. But, all right, they lose Hogan, and they lose Sid, and eventually they lose Ultimate Warrior later that year. So their three biggest stars are gone, and they're forced to push who? Our boy, Bret Hart. Bret Hart, because of this situation, he now becomes the face of the promotion for the next five years. And even in the, even when they try to push Lex Luger, which they botched also, and Diesel, which they botched also, they always had to come back to Bret. The Sid situation where he left the promotion in the spring of 1992, I believe a month after WrestleMania 8, began the ball rolling for Brett's um, push. What do you think about that? Yeah, it was such a weird time because 
Hogan and Sid was in the main event spot at Mania, mm-hmm. but the world title match was Flair against Savage, mm-hmm. and they still had Savage on the roster at this time, and you know, so they still had some star power, but they lost a lot of the guys on top. So they went with Brett and you know get the heat off them during the you know post steroid stuff, um, and Brett was the right guy to go with it, but. It, it was really weird time in the history of their booking. And even, you know, you throw guys in there like Papa Shango and, you know, other guys that they were bringing up to the top. It was just it, very much not the machine that they'd been running for, um, you know, the past 10 years when they got to that point. So the booking got a little bit weird, but it ended up being, you know, for a much better period because Brett was obviously, you know, mm. better than anyone that they had on the roster. And um, it's funny. Um, Sid used to badmouth Brett all the time, but recently Sid had a podcast for a couple of years, which he discontinued a year ago. Which I listened to a bunch of episodes the last week, and he's come around and he's been honest, saying, "Oh, Brett's one of the greatest ever I ever wrestled, and Brett got the best matches out of me." And we'll talk later on about two of what I consider Sid's greatest matches: one against Brett and one against Goldberg. Sid wasn't a stiff in the ring like the so-called uh, newsletters and smart marks claimed, claimed he was. Seb, he wrestled like a big man. He's six foot eight, 300 plus pounds of m- muscularity. He's supposed to be a big man. What the fuck you want him to do? <laughs> Flip it, flips and dives like Luchasaurus and Lance uh, Archer? Come on, man. No. He fought like a, just like Undertaker. Undertaker fought like a big man. Hogan fought like a big man. He fought the way he was supposed to. They made the mistake of putting him in with dudes like Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. Those matches are going to be horrible. If they would have kept Sid around, made him a baby face, you could, you can imagine the matches he could have had against a heel Shawn Michaels, uh, a heel Ted DiBiase, guys that could work around his, uh, his weaknesses in the ring by accelerating his strengths. These guys know how to wrestle big men. Yeah, I and he had a couple sure. of good matches against Sean too, so yeah, you could yeah. see him go. Yeah, because Sean was a master at bouncing off of big dudes like he did with Diesel and like he did with uh, 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 Sid. I forgot to mention a promo leading up to WrestleMania. That yeah. was great. This was great. Where, uh, And by the way, they made after uh, he turned on Hogan at that Saturday Night Main event, they made Harpy Whippleman his manager. And this is, I think this was a favor to Sid, Seb, because Harvey Whippleman was a personal friend of, of his, who was known as Downtown Bruno. And Downtown Bruno was his manager in Memphis. So they had a personal friendship. So Sid brought Harvey Whippleman on. And I think that man still has a job 30 years later with the WWF. He's done everything in the, in the office, like the ultimate gopher, Bruno. Uh, Bruno Lara, that's his real name, Harvey Whippleman, uh, a- a.k.a. Down- downtown Bruno. Yeah, there was, but he would never talk. Harvey Whippleman was his manager, but he would never talk. You, yeah. the, 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 the idea of having a manager is like Paul Heyman today or Sherry Martell back in the day, where they had a mouthpiece for the wrestler. No, uh, Bruno, downtown Bruno, Harvey Whippleman, would just stand in the background a foot smaller he might be even less. <laughs> a foot and a half smaller. I don't think Bruno's more than 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, 
than than the man he's managing. And Sid would rip off these demonic, angry, incredible promos. My favorite, and you know the one I'm gonna talk about, was when he goes, "Let me tell you something, Hogan. There are two different type of bees in the world. The bees that make honey, and you fat so." What was it? Was it? Uh, used to used be. be. <laughs> used to be. <laughs> oh, and he was blowing away Hogan on the promos week after week to WrestleMania. Because Hogan gave you the same bullshit. Oh, I eat my vitamins and say my prayer, brother. Brother, you turned your back on me, brother. Oh, man, that shit was corny. Your thoughts on that promo and leading up to WrestleMania, the back and forth that was, in my opinion, one sided. Yeah, the promo was um, just so I don't forget though. First, the barbershop had the famous yeah. moment where he smashed yes. the aerosol. Oh, in the you know what? Let's band. get back to that. Let's get back to that. He's on the barbershop, which we we played at the beginning of uh, of the podcast, and Brutus is uh, Brutus is acting like a heel, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the way you treated Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania! How could you do that and say, "Go shop"? <laughs> Shut up. And then he goes, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to rearrange your face. And then he picks up a chair and starts destroying the barbershop. Brutus Beefcake runs off like a little bitch. Now, Hogan look even worse. Again, it's not working. Same night that they so Sid is going, come out here, Hogan. Where you at, Hogan? Where you at, you coward? And the and the fans are like, where's Hogan to come protect his boy? He looked like he was scared of Sid. I they blew a golden opportunity to just shove Hogan out the way because Sid looks like the big bad guy, and Hogan looks like the old man who's scared of his young opponent. Your thoughts. <laughs> Hogan was scared, and <laughs> you know, and I, I'm a kid watching this, and right. I'm just thinking, like, Brutus Beefcake. I was kind of indifferent towards. I kind of, yeah. I liked the gimmick of cutting the hair, but I didn't, you know, care for him that much as a kid. Mm-hmm. But then you see him doing this, and like he's trying to come to Hogan's defense, and everybody talking about Hogan, and why did you turn your back on him? And the whole time, I'm just like, Sid's right. Sid's right about everything. So you see Hogan not coming out, and that's the heel move. And it doesn't make any sense that, you know, he's not coming out for his beating, and then Beefcake runs off like he's scared. And the whole thing was just like, and, and Sid the whole is time, the man at this point. Yeah, and the whole time, Skiz, where you at, Hogan? Get out here, you punk, you coward. And he doesn't come out. And then they have the horrible uh, WrestleMania match. Um, I think uh, Sid gets disqualified. A horrible ending to a horrible match. Hogan's acting like he's got one foot out the door. Hogan's acting, Seb, like we act the last day we're at a job. We just want <laughs> we just want to get through the day, get our last paycheck, and go home. Right? Never turn back. Right? That's how yeah. I was at my last two jobs. Right? That I quit. I couldn't wait till that last day ended so I could get up and go. And I and I was happy. You. And you can't tell me shit. Oh, you don't like I'm not doing it? Send me home. That's the way Hogan was acting. Like, (laughs) 
you you don't like the way I'm 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 um working this match? Well, no. It's not like I'm losing a title. This is not this is for a title. <laughs> Hogan uh. Hogan sabotage said by just being downright awful because Hogan is leading the match. He's he's the veteran. He's the star. And it, it took a while for Sid to recover. And then I I know those matches against the Ultimate Warrior had to be god awful. Thank God I didn't attend any of those those shows. I know that shit had to be god awful. And so yeah, he I never goes saw away. Them either. Thank God. I go. Uh, <laughs> he goes away for a while. He comes back a year later at WCW, and he has a great feud with Sid and um, him and Vader versus Sid and Davy Boy, and then you have the Shockmaster shit. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the expression on Sid's face when Fred Ottman f- broke busted his ass. <laughs> Seb, did you watch that live? Talk about the first time you saw that when, when Uncle Fred almost broke his own jaw. <laughs> yeah, the weird thing is I I've seen probably almost every episode of Saturday night and I was right. watching it weekly back then. And I couldn't tell you if I saw it live or I saw like the hundred replays of it afterwards because I've seen it so many times that it's like ingrained in my mind now. But I lived through the whole don't call me Uncle Fred the Shockmaster and everything else that they were calling him. And when all had all those kids at his house and he was like kind of creepy and it's like got the kids over to watch wrestling. And I think Cody Rhodes was actually one of the kids they had in that promo. So yeah, that was like because, a weird uh, time for Because um, I always heard that uh, Cody went to his father. Oh, that's Uncle Fred. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fred married Dusty's sister. So yeah, yeah that's Uncle Fred. <laughs> oh, man. that And then you have the infamous England ballroom brawl that fight upstairs in with Sid stabbed Darn Anderson and now to find what Sid did Seb but once again the wrestling media the newsletters they one-sided because they loved Anderson so much the whole blame was put on Sid. All right, look. It started with Sid making fun of the old guys on and flair. Oh, you guys, you guys are gonna have to go to old folks home now. They're giving me the ball. I'm gonna be the champion. You guys gotta put me over. On got his feelings hurt, and he was also upset because he was making fun of Flair. And that's how the fight started. You a grown ass man. Walk the fuck away, right? Because he got upset by words, because Sid wasn't throwing any punches, he was just, he was, he was fucking with them. He was <laughs> fucking with them. And he was making fun of them. They went upstairs, they got into a fight, and Sid said, fuck this, and almost took on Anderson's eye out. It takes two to tangle, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't Sid jumping on on, because if that's the case, he would have jumped on them when they were downstairs drinking beer or, or whatever in the bar, in the hotel bar. On gets does not get punished. Sid gets fired right away, and that's when Flair got that title run against Vader at Starkey. Starkey ninety two was supposed to be Vader versus Sid. Sid wins, and they were gonna launch. And now once again, uh, Seb, 
things uh, turn. Uh, history is uh, it, history is affected because if that brawl doesn't happen with Arn, Hulk Hogan doesn't get a big deal with the w, with the WCW that following summer because they're pushing Sid. You don't need Sid and Hogan for that top spot. Only way you're going to bring Hogan in because they're making Sid a babyface. It doesn't make sense to bring Hogan in uh, because if Sid's the champion, you're not putting Sid on. You're not going to have Hogan put over Sid. And there's no way in the world Hogan's going to come to WCW regardless what they pay him in 1994 to be a heel. So that never happens. Once again, something that happens involving Sid either benefits, no, benefits Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about the brawl. And talk about the irony of him getting fired, which leads to Hogan getting a record deal a few months later. Yeah, I honestly have turned so much on R in the past couple of years. Just hearing like the way he was back in those days and hearing the sides of the Sid story and just like some gross allegations against him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not a fan of him from that standpoint. I also, once I was at a bar before Mania 18... And there was an event that was hosted by WWF. Um, and it had like a bunch of the guys there. So it had JBL was in there against um, the DJ in an arm wrestling match. And the DJ mm-hmm. is called DJ Heavy and he was like 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. So all the guys, like a lot of the wrestlers were just there and they're having fun. And they were kind of on work time because it was a, an event. So I met Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson there. And... I said, oh, it's great to meet you. And I stuck out my hand and Dustin shook it and he was really cool and all that. And then Arn gave me a dirty look and he walked away. And I was like, you know, that that that, that, that pisses me off what you just told me, because yeah. and Dustin Rose gets criticized unfairly. Dustin Rose is trying to be a professional wrestler, ladies and gentlemen. He's trying to he, he doesn't he, he doesn't believe in anti kayfabe. He's trying to stay kayfabe. Um they were criticizing him this entire AEW run. And in my opinion, he was having the best matches in AEW. And they criticized him. Even Dave gave him a five-star rating early this year in his match against um Darby. Was it Darby Allen? He had a great match before he left AEW in January. I don't watch the product. Uh, you remember what the match was? Oh, yeah. Uh, Cody versus uh, Sammy Guevara. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. was that. And I heard that you would... You you saw it. I didn't. I heard that was an incredible match. Incredible match. A lot of people saying that that's a that that's the best match of the year so far this year. Before Danielson, before the uh, M, M, um, MJF uh, um, CM Punk match. Punk, yeah. Right. So I I I I didn't understand the hatred towards Cody because, like him or not, you cannot cannot claim. That Cody didn't give 100% week in and week out, especially during his matches. I mean, God damn. He was, I mean, he bleed. He bled like his pops. All right? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, don't be loyal to a billionaire. Like, you make your money and you do what you got to do. But Tony Khan's a billionaire, man. Let, if he's not paying you, then go where you're getting paid. Like, yeah, I don't I, understand look, people gotta, who are loyal you to gotta billionaires. Get, you got to get, get your money when you can, especially... At uh, Cody's in his prime, and this is his prime earning year. So I'm glad whatever Vince is paying him, he earned it. Uh, uh, so I'm glad to hear that that he's a a a a, a, 
a good dude. He shook your hand and stuff. But you know what? It, it makes sense because you see the stuff him and his wife do outside wrestling. And um, I know, despite the fact that uh, we're in the 21st century, I know Cody must have got a lot of flack for marrying a black woman. So I give Cody all the respect in the world. Um, um, uh, back to on, you know, that, that, that's frustrating to hear how he, he, he did that. Come on. You had to do that bullshit to you. That, that didn't make any sense. And, um, I stopped listening to his podcast with the fat man because of the bull, the, the, the bullshit. He, they, they were, uh, they were ripping Bill Watts one time, but I'm like, on oh, you a hypocrite because you acting like Bill Watts, to, what you claim Bill Watts was acting towards you back then. Um, uh, so, uh, back to, back to Sid. So the stabbing happens, Sid gets fired and you don't see Sid again until early 95 when, um, Sean needs a new manager and not a new manager, new bodyguard. And you have this great angle Monday night raw, the Monday after WrestleMania was it WrestleMania 11? It was WrestleMania 11. Uh, Diesel and Shawn Michaels had a very good match, the best match on the card. And then the following night, they do an interview with Shawn. And these, I mean, Sid power bombed the shit out of Shawn. I don't know how he didn't break Shawn's back because Shawn took those power bombs. It was all back. Talk about that angle, Sid. <laughs> oh, man. And he had like the one botched power bomb too, where it was just like Sean's dead after this. Yeah, that but... was that was the same type of power bomb he gave Brian Pillman in the, in the war game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I think um just going back over all of Sid's stuff in his career, his stuff against Sean is really underrated because back then he kind of wanted to see Sean get his head kicked in a yes, little bit. Yes. And I, I've always liked Sean because he's so good in the ring, but something about me also can't stand the guy. And, it, you know, no offense to him now. He probably turned his life around and that's all great for him. But, you know, back then, you know, just the way that he was the pretty boy, you, you kind of just wanted to see him get his comeuppance and, you know, seeing him get beaten by Sid like that. It's just, it felt good at the time, even though, you know, Sean was going as the face and everybody wants him to be, you know, this baby face Sean Michaels and you're trying to lead a company around him and, you know, make Sid a heel. I don't know. I just, I, I always liked seeing Sean get his comeuppance back then. And um, you had now, and Sid has talked about this, Sid loved Bam Bam Bigelow mm-hmm. and Bam Bam had the great match with Lawrence Taylor the night before, and they they did the angle where Sid joins Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Corporation, and they kick out Bigelow. And Sid has talked about this on his podcast and in shoot interviews. He was looking forward to having a great feud with Bam Bam because he thought, and I thought by watching the weekly television, that they were going to make Bigelow the number two face after Diesel. He was super over when that a uh, feud started with DiBiase and Sid, but no, what they did was they made Bigelow the guy that would lose the falls in teaming with Diesel against Sid and Tatanka or Sid and whoever he teamed up with in the Million Dollar Corporation. And because 
Sean had seen how popular Bigelow was getting. He cut him. Uh, he, he, he cut him. He cut his legs off. Cut his legs off. Bigelow, less than six months later, was out the promotion. And less than six months later, so was Sid. Sid left. And then he came back in the summer of 96. And once again, for the second time in his career, he replaced Ultimate Warrior. Because <laughs> remember, SummerSlam 91, he was a special guest referee. And Ultimate Warrior got fired. And Sid took his spot as the number two babyface behind Hogan. Well, in 96, Ultimate Warrior gets fired. And Sid takes his spot, which eventually leads to Madison Square Garden Survivor Series 1996. We will be talking about the match between Brett and Steve Austin in a future Hitman Chronicles. But that night was the night for the first time in his career Shawn Michaels lost the title in the ring. He didn't lose a title quitting a promotion or, oh, oh, my balls hurt. No, <laughs> he, he put Sid over. And that night in Madison Square Garden, the crowd went apeshit when Sid won. You would have thought he was the babyface and Sean was the heel and not vice versa. Talk about that match, big man. <laughs> yeah, and the one thing that you said about Hogan, uh, with the, what he did with Sid and what he did with Sting in their matches, mm-hmm. Sean did here with Sid because the match ended up being focused on Jose Lothario and even Jim Ross in the ring was saying, you know, some things are more important than title belts and, you know, Sean's doing all of his overacting because Jose Lothario's down and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it it should have been Sid's big moment, but Sean was trying to keep the attention on himself. That that was what you saw on television and the narrative that Sean was giving Jose Lothario was giving and Jim Ross was giving, but in the arena that night, the fans focused on Sid, and they gave Sid a monster pop. But that was brief because Sid would give back the title to Sean a couple of months later at the Royal Rumble in San Antonio. Uh, Sean's big, uh, uh, big um, hometown win to set up what was supposed to be a WrestleMania 13 loss to Bret Hart. But no, a couple of weeks after. The, uh, the Royal Rumble, Shawn Michaels mysteriously lost his smile. <laughs> and he made up this ridiculous knee injury. Oh, I may never wrestle again. Meanwhile, he's walking perfectly, right? He got that bullshit limp in the ring. They give up the title. He gives up the title. Brett wins it at the In Your House pay-per-view, the Fatal 4-Way, and then loses it the next night to Sid. And then we have one of uh, Sid's greatest matches, one of his two greatest matches, March 17th on live on Raw. Seb, talk about the match, which was a great match. Talk about the promo Brett gave after the match. <laughs> All right. So, Brett uh, versus Sid, Monday Night Raw. And I think, if I remember correctly, the um, Sid beating Brett was the first time they ever had a world title switch on Raw. My um, February seventeenth, sh- uh, exactly four weeks before this match. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that was the first time ever, and that was a big deal. Um, so, I'm trying to think. I'll make sure you're right. Uh, let me see. Uh, I think you're right, but let's just chronicle it because Raw started in '93, 
At the beginning of 93, Bret was a champion. Bret lost the title at WrestleMania. Then Yokozuna gave it up to Hogan at WrestleMania. Hogan lost to Yokozuna at King of the Ring. Uh, a year later at WrestleMania, Yokozuna lost it to Bret. Then Bret lost it at the Survivor Series to Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund lost it two night, three nights later at Madison Square Garden to Diesel. Diesel loses a year later at the Survivor Series. The last match we covered on the Hitman Chronicles, by the way, up to Bret Hart. Then Bret loses at WrestleMania to Sean. Sean loses at SummerSlam to Sid. And Sid loses it back at the Royal Rumble to Sean. Sean takes his ball and goes home. Talk about he lost his smile. Bret wins the Fatal 4-Way. And yes, you're right. The following night, first time ever, the first of now probably 600 title changes on Raw. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, so you had a big moment uh, going into that. Um, And this was, this was an interesting time because I'm super invested in Brett at this point. Mm -hmm. And he is, uh, he's about to take on Sid. And I actually messaged you before, but just Mm -hmm. as an aside on this, uh, there was a triple threat match at the Skydome, and that was was it, a, was it a month before or after this? It was a month before this. All right, talk so, about that match first before we talk about the Raw match. Yeah, so that was um, so this was before I lost my smile. This was before, so Sean. And, well, uh, was this in the Skydome or in the arena where the Raptors play? This was the Skydome. So they what had happened was. Um, I went to the show. It was uh, for my 16th birthday. I think it was, was the day the after. Was this the show that they aired some parts of it on Raw? Yeah, that exact show. Okay, okay, So go ahead. they had, um, depending on what you read, somewhere over 25,000 people. And they had switched it around, so it was uh, it was taped ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had the uh, triple threat match was actually a dark match. So it never actually aired. No, it never on aired TV. on Raw because I yeah. remember the Raw. Uh, um, and a uh, shout outs to our our, our 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 friends Garrett and John LaRocca. They covered the entire 1997 year on the on the Fight Game Media Patreon page. Which cheap plug, I'm on as well. Um, you can go to that page and, and look at the membership. And if you're interested, they give they give great coverage on AEW. And WWE and my, my boxing um, monthly special podcast. By the way, another personal friend of ours, Paul Fontaine, is a writer and podcaster on that as well. Uh, shout outs to our boy Paul. Uh, they did you dirty, Paul, but that's okay. We got <laughs> your back. All right. So talk about that yeah. triple threat match, big man. Yeah. So the triple threat match was um, it, it was massive in the dome because obviously. Brett's there and he's super over and Sid is super over Sean uh, not quite uh, near their level in terms of being over but this is 1997 Brett in Canada so all right uh, quick huge question, deal. Quick question. Yeah. When, when when Brett and Sid comes out who gets the louder ovation because I know Sean is third yeah, Brett had the loudest uh, okay. pop of the night yeah uh, and it's not dismissing Sid but you're not beating Brett in that t- time period in Canada, I so, think the only the um, Brett's probably the only person in Toronto that would have gotten a bigger pop than Hogan. You always told me how huge Hogan was in Toronto. Yeah, peak Brett would be the only person who could yeah. beat Hogan. Hogan is just massively over in Toronto. In, Mo- in Montreal and Toronto, Hogan's mm-hmm. one of the all-time 
biggest drawing cards in the history of ca- Canadian wrestling, period. I mean, I yeah. shit on Hogan all the time, but the facts are the facts. Yeah, even the house show he did with Paul Orndorff, like 68,000 60, fans 68,000, yeah. yeah, something like 68,000, yeah. yeah. And that's all Hogan. That's all Hogan. And um, he was a huge draw in Montreal at that time when um, they brought in Dino Bravo and, 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 and those guys, Pat Patterson's boys. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So the match was, uh, and this is going off of uh, memory just because there's no real good um, footage of the match. You can find it without commentary online. But uh, in the match, it was pretty evenly split. Um, Brett goes for the sharpshooter on Sid near the end of the match. I think it goes about 15 minutes. And Sean hits the high crossbody off of the top rope onto Brett, and he gets the clean pin. Um, so, you know, everybody says Brett wouldn't do a job in Canada in 1997. There's one for you. But mm-hmm. that was a big match, and Sean left uh, there. So before he lost his smile a couple of weeks later, um, and it was just one of the big wrestling memories for me. Yeah, you're um, right, because if I'm not mistaken, that match occurred, I believe, after the Super Bowl, still late January, before before February. It was late, right, late January 1997 in the Sky Dome. Yeah, I think that it was January 31st, because my birthday's okay. on the 30th, and I remember okay. going there for my 16th birthday. So, oh, okay. Oh, um, okay. so, so now yeah, we talk was... about, let's talk about the cage match. And by the way, I had attended prior to this, the Madison Square Garden match in which Brett and, Sean, uh, Brett and Sid had a great match. So this was a series of, and, and um, you know what Sid was saying on his podcast, um, and for you guys that haven't seen it, haven't listened to it, just type Sid Vicious Wrestling in the Apple Podcast. It was on for 18 months. He did several episodes, several weekly episodes, and he talked politics. He talked, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, Sid, he's a Republican, but he's not one of those Republicans that go by the playbook. He he sees it like just like Sid was in wrestling. He sees it like he sees it. He was like, he's like, well, Trump's a fucking idiot. He was like, he was, <laughs> he, was he he didn't go by the playbook. He called a spade a spade. Well, he said that during this period, he was having nightly cage matches. With Bret Hart, and every night Bret would give a superplex off the top of the cage, which happened in this match. Go ahead, talk about this. <laughs> so, the uh, match starts out, Lawler's on commentary for it, and uh, he's always got some digs at Bret in these things, which is always fun to listen to. But it's about to yeah. come to an end, though. Eventually, he becomes a the biggest Bret fan. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, they turn the page on that, but I, I like the long term of uh, of Brett and Lawler hating each other for so many years. Uh, so this match is a sprint, and so it makes it very different from a lot of other Brett matches, where you know it's more methodical storytelling. Here, Brett starts out aggressively, and it's the opposite of what you'd think in this type of match because Sid's the big man, but Brett right away starts throwing Sid in the corner and attacking with punches and kicks, and then just choking Sid in the corner with his foot and going all out with the attack. Sid starts firing back with punches. Um, They also show Austin and uh, recording this on 316 day. So uh, shout out to Austin, but he's watching the match and 
he's about to take on Brett at WrestleMania. So he's got a vested interest in Brett being the champion for this. Yes, uh, um, I want to add that this was smartly booked by uh, Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon, uh, Bruce Pritchard, and Jim Cornette. That was the booking team at the time. Uh, the Clown Russo was about to join the booking team, unfortunately. But they booked it where you the main the, the double main event at WrestleMania was Sid versus Undertaker and Brett versus Austin. The winner of this match has to defend the title against their original opponent. So if Brett wins, he wrestles Austin. So that was a great uh, that was a great carrot on the stick for this match because it allows Undertaker and Stone Cold to get involved so that they can ensure that their opponent wins so they can get that title shot six days later at WrestleMania 13. And um, we all know how that went, but mm-hmm. yeah, arguably the biggest match in that era of WWF. Hey, look, Brett it's the awesome. greatest match I've ever seen. I don't give a fuck about eight stars in the Tokyo motherfucking <laughs> dome. I don't give a fuck about a stadium show in which a motherfucker morphed into a, a, a man from the 1300s. I don't want to hear about a fucking show where a, 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 a dude went in the water, almost drowned, a week after, a uh, Shad died from a drowning, and oh no, oh that's just a coincidence, man. Fuck you, All right? No, this was the greatest match I have ever seen in my 41 years of watching pro wrestling. You can't try and tell, justify any fucking thing else. Get the fuck out of here. If it ain't Flair Steamboat, it ain't on the same level as Brett versus Stone Cold WrestleMania 13. Now I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Sorry, you can go on that soapbox anytime. <laughs> I, I totally agree with you. Um, so at this point, uh, Brett's trying to climb, and Sid grabs him by the ankle and crotches him on the uh, steel cage. So they're stuck in the corner. Um, Sid starts raining down punches, and Jim Ross is putting both guys over like crazy here. He said, Brett's the best strategist he's ever seen, but Sid's an intimidating monster. And uh, so he's just really trying to push that these guys are the new generation for WWF. Um, Sid grabs Brett and really cool spot. He smashes his back into the cage and then he holds him and he smashes him again. And so Brit, Sid's just doing his monster stuff, and it looks good. And like you're saying, anybody who says that Sid can't work, they've never seen these types of matches because oh. Sid's supposed to be the monster, and this is what yeah, you want. He's, pl- he's playing a monster. He's not doing any flips and dives. He's not doing any triple somersaults. No, he's playing the perfect monster heel. And you know that part where you talked about he picked up Brett like a baby and and, and slammed him into the cage. That's what he's supposed to. Matter of fact, that's what Undertaker would have done, right? Yeah. Uh, if you want to compare Sid to guys on his level, like an Undertaker, like a Hogan, he worked a big man match like those guys. Though you didn't see Undertaker getting on top of a cage and doing a a Hurricane Rana or a fucking uh, what's that shit Jushin Liger used to do? But of course, he's five for two. He could do that shit. What was that shit he did? Uh. The, the, uh, the, yeah, whatever you call that shit. Yeah, he, 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 if when when they did have him come off the top rope, he almost killed himself when he broke his leg into twenty pieces. 
right? Oh God, that's brutal. You know, though, you gotta have him work to his strengths, and he did that throughout this entire match. And he took an incredible bump off the top of the cage with that superflex, superplex. When you had all four men, Austin, Brett, Sid, and Undertaker fighting on top of the cage, and Jim Ross calling it great, and then yeah, the superplex, and then Brett gets up. And walking out the cage, looks like he's going to be champion. Undertaker smashes the cage in his head. Sid goes over the top. Sid wins. And then the infamous promo in which Brett cursed the fuck out of it. He's like, I'm tired of fucking getting screwed. This is bullshit. And then Sid comes down the aisle. It's like, oh, man, you're full of shit, Brett. It's just great. And then once again, all four men are fighting. As the show goes off the air, it was a great. That's how you do a go home show for your biggest card of the year. Yeah, and that was. I don't want to say that this match was literally the start of the Attitude Era because I think that you probably go to WrestleMania 13 if you want to see like yeah, people yeah. just going with Stone Cold. Yeah, but the aftermath of this match, you know, you got a lot of what you'd see for the next. You know, several years, and then you know, Russo era and the Attitude era and the NWO era. You've got a lot of the seeds of that happen after this match. Sid loses the title six days later to Undertaker in a in a horrible match. The highlight of the match was when Brett shows up at the end um, before he's escorted out of the arena, um, and then Sid gets into a car accident not shortly after that and is gone. By the summer of 97, he's going. He originally was supposed to be in that Calgary 10 team match, but something happened. He left. Um, and then he's wrestling in Memphis, playing softball. He's not making any real money. And then he shows up in the summer of 1999 in WCW, part of Team Savage. Now, I love the. Unleashed on her during the reception of the match made in heaven, right? And then SummerSlam 91. And now Savage has Sid as part of Team Savage. And they they do this angle, Seb, where week after week, Sid is destroying jobber after jobber to try and get to a, that mythical Goldberg streak because they're setting up a big man feud between him and Goldberg. One night, and I think you saw the promo also, yeah. He's ripping. He's talking. He's ripping Heaton too. Oh, Bobby Heaton, you're talking about I'm an evil man, Bobby Heaton. And he talks about Brett. And he talks about Sting. And he talks about Hogan. And we got Goldberg back there. I want to wrestle them. I'm tired of wrestling bombs like the Disco Inferno. <laughs> and then he picks up Disco and he gives him another power bomb. <laughs> that was. Beautiful television right there. <laughs> and then leads up to Halloween Havoc 99, one of Goldberg's best matches, one of Sid's two greatest matches. This is how you book two monsters in a fight. No, you don't have these guys jumping off 
uh, onto the concrete floor with 70 guys are waiting there to, to catch him. No. You got the... Oh, before the match starts, earlier in the pay-per-view, Goldberg attacks Sid and bloodies him. So they're setting this up, and I bitch and moan about Russo, but Russo booked this match perfectly. I got to give the devil his due. And then, God rest his soul, he just died a couple of days ago. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jump Goldberg before the match starts against uh, a, a Sid. So as a way of trying to even the odds, because Sid is all fucked up. I mean, you you still see the 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 blood that has dried up on his face. Well. They finally break up the, the brawl between Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Goldberg. Goldberg goes in the ring, and Seb, take it from there. Give the highlights of what was this reminded me of a heavyweight title fight like between Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield. The ebbs and flows. I mean, it was just tremendous. <laughs> yeah, so Goldberg, he actually starts... He, Gives him a stun gun on the outside, and then he smashes Sid's head into the steps. Yes. And they go back into the ring, and you can already see, as you said, like Sid's got blood on him. And oh yeah, so, the cuts have reopened. Yeah, and just blood is the whole theme of this match, and it's one of those rare matches in WCW where it's a full story beginning to end mm-hmm. because they've already laid the groundwork out for the blood, and this one starts out with just like a heavyweight titans and mm-hmm. so Goldberg's nailing him with kicks and forearms and hits him in the corner um, Sid's trying to fight back he gets a couple of uh, moves in including a big boot and then he gets Goldberg in a camel clutch and Goldberg won't qu- quit um, this was Goldberg's- a great spot Seb he had him yeah. in the Cobra clutch, Cobra clutch and Goldberg powers out by picking up now, Goldberg's a monster, right? Goldberg, how how would you say Goldberg was? 270 legit? Yeah, probably in the 270 ballpark. Yeah, okay. Sid's at least 300, right? Yeah. So he's, and he's much taller. Goldberg is what, 6'2", maybe? Sid's about 6'7", 6'8". So he's picking up a much larger man effortlessly on his shoulders. <laughs> and this is the better version of the Hogan Iron Sheik spot from uh, the title change at Madison right. Square Garden. But here, Goldberg actually gets him all the way up onto his shoulders and he does the electric chair and he gets the two count and he's Goldberg is just nailing Sid with punches to the head. No, and, and, and those were stiff shots. Stiff shots. None of those were work punches because like Brett would tell you, Goldberg didn't know how to throw stiff uh, work punches. <laughs> so Goldberg is just choking Sid in the ropes. He's throwing Sid down, gets him on the turnbuckle. Goldberg even drops an elbow, and I was trying to remember if I'd ever seen him at that point in his career drop I had an elbow. I've never seen him drop an elbow up until that point in time. You're right. Yeah. So it was, uh, he was just going all out on offense. And, you know, Goldberg was usually, you know, squash matches. He had some longer matches by this point in his career, but, you know, he didn't have a ton of them. So. He's just going absolute sprints and smashing uh, Sid in the head. And uh, Goldberg nails a nice-looking headbutt, too. And again, he probably doesn't pull back enough on the headbutt. Um, you can see the difference when 
Brett throws a headbutt in his match in the steel cage against Sid versus Goldberg throwing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Goldberg is just pounding Sid. And this is turning into a bloodbath. He's got the crimson mask. And um, Shivani, even at this point, starts going in of how he's worried about Sid. Uh, and, you know, a lot of shades as well of Austin with the blood, um, you know, trying to to get sympathy behind him because Sid is just keeps on fighting back and Goldberg keeps on pounding him. Um, and it's just, Sid is absolutely destroyed at this point. And the ref asks him in the corner, where are you at? And Sid goes, uh, walks a couple steps and drops to his knees and the ref stops it. And Rick Steiner comes out to try and help Sid, but Sid is, you know, he's mad at the decision and he wants to leave on his own power. This but was they per- do the look, title change. Look, Vince Russo was a fucking idiot, goofball. <laughs> he booked this shit to perfection. Even gave, even though Sid lost, he won because of the heart he showed. This was like a great boxing match. This is like a great heavyweight fight where the loser goes out on his shield and lives to see another day. Now, hmm. we see... Uh, the Wrestling Observer's ratings are out of fucking sync. Seven stars here, six stars here, uh, four and a half stars. No, four, four. I think four and three quarter stars for Adam Cole versus Adam Page. I didn't watch the match, but I heard people talk about that they had to fight sleep to watch that match. So I don't know where he got that from. I don't watch the product today, so I don't know. When I was watching it from 2020 to 2021. When I watched AEW for an entire year, I don't know where he was getting these fucking ratings from, right? He gave this match two and a half stars. How the fuck is this a two and a half star match? Explain to me how this match is only two and a half stars. When these two guys fight like big men, give it to all. And the fans was, when they shit throughout this entire match, they were invested in this match. Two and a half stars? Are you fucking kidding me? This was easily a four-star match. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't understand the star ratings anymore, so I, I try not to give them any credibility. Yeah. All but I know is see, like... my eyes tell me that this was a great fucking match, right? And that this was one of Gold Goldberg had two incredible matches I've seen throughout his entire career. That was his match against DDP, and they were both at Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc 98 and against... Uh, Sid Halloween Havoc 99 Those were both great matches Now the Starcade match with Brett Was beginning to be a classic Until they did that bullshit Montreal screw job finish That really man, fucked that match up Because that match was good Up until that Piper Throwing the pin down and Or the referee and ring the bell That was made No fucking sense Come on now But those were his two best matches um, Sid, Sid worked his ass off. Sid, Sid did what he had to do. The few would end a few months later. Sid would get another run with the title early in 2000 because Benoit and the rest of the uh, radicals left over a disagreement with Kevin Sullivan. Um, so Sid gets the title for a while. Um, then the then the infamous. I don't even want to discuss it much, but the breaking of his leg. Uh, they had him, they, they booked him to come off the top rope, which Sid never does. And so the one time he does it, his, ends his wrestling career. 
early 2001, his career is kaput, over, but we're hearing rumors, and I hope it's verified soon. Hope by the time you guys listen to the show that it actually happened, that he is either in the uh, WWE Hall of Fame or about to go in, depending on when this show is being released. He deserves to be in. The man drew money for WWE and WCW. The man was in a it was integral in the beginning of the Attitude Era because of his feud with Brett and his feud with Undertaker. It was a car accident that ended his run there. Um, he gave Goldberg one of his greatest matches. Um, wherever he went, oh Seb, you were going to talk about you went you saw a match with Goldberg and Sid after this Halloween Havoc match. Oh, I, I did. The month after this was yeah. WCW Mayhem, and all the goodwill from this match, they threw out the window because they should have just had Sid as a face and just you know given him a bit of time off or had him run through some guys as a face because they had a submission match, and it was yeah. not good. It wasn't on the level of this one. That was, that was the night Brett beat Benoit, right, to win the world title? Uh, yeah, that was the night. That was the and, night. Uh, and that was a good well, at least you you all went home happy, but yeah, <laughs> that match was man, that match was horrible. That match yeah. was horrible. Yeah. It's the total now that you want to give that uh, a dud or a, a star and a half. Yeah. But I mean you can't compare that match to the match we just talked about. So Sid was forced to retire two thousand one. Uh his legacy is intact, in my opinion. Underrated promo. The man showed intensity. He wrestled like a big man, and he's memorable. When the reports came out, when the rumors came out that he might be going into the WWE Hall of Fame coming up in a a couple of weeks from when we're broadcasting this, from when we're recording this, not broadcast because this this, this episode might might come out after WrestleMania. We will see. Uh, The internet went crazy. The internet was like, yes, Sid, Sid, why? Why? Because <laughs> it vicious rules the world. Um, and man, I think the Hall of Fame is going to outshine anything that happens that week. Because look at the lineup that is going in. Right? Already confirmed is Vader. The Steiner were the Steiner brothers confirmed yet? Oh, that's a good question. I heard that they were going in. I don't know okay. if it's confirmed. All right, so we uh, let so the rumors have it. Well, already confirmed is Vader and the Undertaker. All right, yeah, and, Undertaker and is the main event. Vince is going to uh, induct him. I'm not sure. You remember who's inducting Vader? I don't think they've announced it yet. Okay, um, and alleged not Charmel is going in. He, she's being inducted by her husband, of course. And right now, it looks like the last two will be Sid and the Steiners. Um, this is W. This is a WCW lineup, man. <laughs> yeah. You got Mark Callis. I forgot what Charmel Charmel's name was in WCW. Um, uh, she, damn, she's still beautiful after all these years. She's mid forties to late forties. God Lord, she's beautiful. Oh, uh, Booker T, you married up. Um, because <laughs> he left his wife while at WCW. For Charmel, they didn't mention this in the um, the Booker T uh, documentary, A and E, which was a tremendous documentary. But they glossed over the fact that he was married before Charmel, 
and left that woman for Charmel when he first saw Charmel. <laughs> I would have too, but you know what? What what can we do? They, they should have brought it up. But anyway, so Charmel, Vader, and Undertaker already confirmed. And right now, rumor has it that the Steiner brothers, hopefully they get inducted by Rick's twin son because that motherfucker moves and wrestles just like Rick Steiner. Uh, Vince, you got to put the rocket on this man's back, man. That dude is all the way phenomenal with the way he works. He works like a fucking Steiner. You, <laughs> if you had stopped watching wrestling, Seb, in 1995, and you turned on NXT last week, and you see this guy, you're like, God damn, that's got to be Rick Stunt, Rick Son. Without having to, without having to have read anything on the internet or anything, and then, oh yeah, he is Rick Son, because the man is the spitting image of his father in the ring, and he talks like his uncle. All right, so he's got, the, he's got the best of both. All right, he's got yeah. the, the uncle's uh, promo style. And his father's wrestling style, and he's stiff as a motherfucker. I love it. So hopefully he inducts his uncle and his pops. And I hear that it's going to be HBK. I really don't like it, but I mean, who else can induct Sid? I mean, I guess it's going to be HBK. HBK. I mean, Bruno, Laura is a great friend of his, but that's not sexy enough for the for these guys to have him induct Sid. It's got to be somebody amongst the upper echelon of the WWE family. We did this podcast to pay tribute to a man who's been shitted on for far too many years. Uh, regardless of what people have said about Sid, he's got far more fans than detractors. He made the best out of his career. He ran into some bad luck, and he ran into a, a couple of occasions where guys like Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan tried to sabotage his career, and... I'm not sure, Seb, if it was Vince Russo or Eric Bischoff or Kevin Sullivan. No, it wasn't Kevin Sullivan. Oh, my bad. It was Vince Russo because it was early 2001. Vince Russo booked him to jump off a top rope and wound up destroying his leg in 50 different pieces. And it took him forever to, to even walk straight again. And he, and he said on his podcast that from time to time, even though he still works out, and he's... 61, 62 years old now. He's in tremendous, tremendous fucking shape. And that's considering the fact that he had destroyed that leg. That he still feels pain in that leg from time to time. So, uh, last any last words on Sid Udy, a.k.a. Sid Justice, a.k.a. Psycho Sid? Uh, I'm just glad that we got to do this because, you know, you're right. A lot of people over the years have really badmouthed Sid, but... Anybody who watched Sid at the time knew that he felt special. And anybody who listens to a promo even now with his, you know, he's got the distinct style and, mm -hmm. you know, that charm and charisma that, you know, is very unique. You can see that he was not, you know, the whipping boy of, of all the the newsletters that he was really a star at the time. So, And you know what, Seb? Something, I want to harken back on something you just said. And if you ever listen to his podcast, the man was a very intelligent, is a very intelligent speaker. And you saw it in his promos. He 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 wasn't tripping over words. He was very clear and concise 
when he did his promos. Yeah, every once in a while he'd make a mistake. Like one time he said he had half a brain. <laughs> and you, I know I got half a brain. It was a mistake. He meant to say that his opponent had half a brain. We, we all make mistakes. But other than that, he played that heel role to the T. And he tried. Look, he tried his best to be a heel. But the fans didn't want him to be a heel. The fans love Sid. And those same smart marks that were shitting on him, when he showed up in ECW in uh, 1998, before he went back to W, before, in between WWF and WCW, uh, the fans at ECW, the ultra EC, uh, smart marks, lost their shit when he showed up. They lost their fucking shit, right? And remember, Paul Heyman had a wrestler named 911 who was basically a bootleg Sid Vicious. <laughs> All right, so um, we're gonna we're we're gonna close out the show with a few of Sid's promos um, from over his career. Uh, once again, I want to thank my man Seb. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna place this on both platforms. This will be on the Hitman Chronicles, and it will be on the Legends of Sports and Music. It will be on Hitman Chronicles first um, because we have a great match between him and Brett. And um, while that wasn't originally, that originally wasn't going to be part of the Bret Hart series that we're doing, might as well throw it in there. Uh, congratulations. Hopefully, congratulations on order for Sid Vicious. Rest in peace to Scott Hall. Um, and um, once again, this is uh, your boy Rob Silver, along with my man Seb, signing off on the Hitman Chronicles. How does it feel, Virgil, to not be able to breathe with that broken nose? You like that stupid Brutus! You got in my way, and you suffered the consequences, didn't you? <laughs> so in the World Wrestling Federation, I have a question to ask you. How do you like your little blue-eyed boy they call Mr. Death Hogan? And death it will be because it will be the death of Ultimania and Mania. And I will be the one to cause it. Why? Because it's simple. I rule the world. Let's just state the facts, okay? At Royal Rumble, you took the easy way out, didn't you, Hogan? Instead of facing me, you went after Ric Flair. Okay, when Saturday Night Main Event come around, you went to Jack Tunney. Why? Two reasons. One, it's, again, you didn't have to face me one-on-one, and you had a better chance of coming out winning, didn't you? Well, you proved to me and all the people in the world that you are nothing but a coward. And when it comes to mania, I can assure you that night I will prove that. All you have to do is go to your friend to the end, Brutus. Ask him how it feels to be at my feet. How it feels to be like a trapped animal. And I am the hunter, and I could have pulled the trigger at any second. I could have crushed your face in a million pieces. And when media comes and the smoke clears, the people will stand and they will say Sid Justice rules the world. You know, I would have to be the first to admit that that trigger to Hulk Hogan 
and Hulk Hogan himself in his day was maybe the greatest wrestler there ever was. And even myself that has no compassion for no living soul, Hogan, for just a second, one second, I feel sorry for you. Because you, Hogan, are now facing something you have never faced before! You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine that is called Sid Justice! Now that feeling in your gut that's running through your veins, you call that feeling what you want, but it is called fear! Fear from the man that rules the world! This is Sunday Hogan, and it's all over. Hulkamania has come to an end. Always convenient for you, isn't it? To come out and you announce that this will be your last match. When you knew, when you signed a dotted line, that you would face the justice if I was to be struck down by lightning. <laughs> a tribute. A tribute is I'm the host of your going away party. The party that you never wake up from. Shut your stinking mouth! Cause it's simple! I don't care about you! Or that fat pig Hulk Hogan and your friendship! Shakes! Where are Sid Justice has 
Whoa! 